Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We bless you in this place, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's awesome to be in a place where people realize they're nothing without him. Amen. He is everything. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John. And we're in chapter 1. As you're turning there, our children can be released to Kids Dome or dismissed. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We're in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 6. When you got it, say so. All right, and the word of the Lord says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness to the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, but of the will or the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Father, thank you so much for your word that is truth. Thank you for your grace. That is upon us, my God. Thank you for your presence that is within us and among us, Lord God, in this place. And Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. Pray, Lord God, that you would be glorified, that we would be edified, and that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it, God. We thank you for the privilege that it is to sit under your word, and we ask you all of this in Jesus' great name. And everyone said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand so that way the ushers can get you an outline. Just keep your hand up for a moment. Just keep your hand up until you get until you get one, just to make sure that they see you. But the reason why we have these outlines is for two reasons, as always, to remind us, number one, that taking notes is a good thing. It's good to take notes. It's good to write stuff down as you're hearing the Word of God preached. Um, questions might come up in your head. There's some questions in the outline as well that will be helpful for you to be able to um, answer or answer those questions throughout the sermon time. And the second reason why the outlines are important is because those are what we do. We go over the outlines and the sermons that I'm preaching in our Connect Life Groups. Our Connect Life Groups meet throughout the week, and what we do is we discuss the sermons that are preached, and that way we can not only hear the Word of God here, but we can also be challenged one with the other so we can grow together, so we can encourage one another, so that way your faith goes from just being um, a point where I hear something, I know it's right, I know I should make some changes to where you have brothers and sisters that are literally there with you to help you change, to help you grow in your sanctification, because it's It's real easy to sit there in your seat and to hear the message and be like, man, that's true, or I need to get that right. It's a whole different thing when you get together with brothers and sisters and you start confessing, I need to get that right, and then they start asking you, are you getting that right? Are you hearing me? It's a different scenario. See, it's easy to just, see, that's the reason why we believe 100% in real fellowship and real relationship with one another because sanctification is not something that just happens by you, with you all by yourself, but it happens together in community as we grow together. Amen? Amen. 
So make sure that you are connected. If you are not part of a Connect Life group, please see Pastor Chad, and he will help you out. He'll get you connected to the right one that works best for you demographically and for the time that your schedule is or you're available in your schedule. And so we're continuing on in our The Real Jesus series, and we're going through the book of the Gospel of John. And as I told you last week, we're going to take our time going through here, and there's a lot of stuff that's packed into these verses that we're looking at, and so we're going to go over as much of it as we possibly can today. But today we want to talk. I want to talk about the witness because the last week we talked about the word and today I want to talk about the witness because the next person that is introduced in this narrative that John brings forth is this person by the name of John who is a witness and look and looking at your outline there as we continue in our study of the gospel of John we should realize that Jesus is the eternal word the creative word and he is the light and life of all men so that is what we went over last week we talked about those things in particular Jesus is the eternal word he is the creative word of God. He is the light and the life of all men. In John chapter 1 and verse 6, we are now introduced to the forerunner or the one who was sent as a herald of Jesus. His name is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, and it marks an extremely important point in biblical history. Up until now, God had been silent for 400 years, and the ministry of John as a prophet marks God breaking his silence. And so when you look at your Bible, you see your Bible and you go through it, and you'll notice that the book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, and then from Malachi, you go to the book of Matthew. And it's funny, whenever you're reading a book, you know, typically you're not looking at like dates when things are written. You're thinking that things are just happening and they're just flowing as fast as you can turn pages. But the reality is that between the time of Malachi and the end of the prophecies that were given there to the time that John the Baptist is born, or, or right before John the Baptist is born, and obviously God begins to speak because the angel of the Lord begins to communicate to who? Begins to communicate to Mary that she's going to be pregnant, begins to communicate to Zechariah that he's going to have a child. Zechariah doesn't believe. And so God all of a sudden hasn't spoken for 400 years. And I want you to think about that. Think about your parents. Just imagine, you know, you know sometimes when people get upset, they do this thing called the silent treatment. Hello. You know, you walk around and you might get the silent treatment depending on how, on how sinful you are. Amen. Amen. Depending on how sinful you are, you know, the silent treatment can last, you know, depending on your degree of sinfulness. Amen. I'm just saying, you know, you can stay the silent treatment. In other words, I ain't talking to you. I'm not saying anything to you. We're not going to speak for any reason. There's nothing for me to say to you, you know, until you get it right, until you figure out why I'm silent. Hello. Yeah, uh-huh, glory to God. Someone's going to get delivered today. But anyway, you know, we have this silent treatment. And so imagine that, right, on the umph, like, like to the umph level, right, where God has been speaking through prophets, you know, for thousands of years. And he's speaking to his people, communicating to his people, telling them about things that are going to occur, communicating the coming of this great and amazing Savior. And then all of a sudden, God stops speaking. Revelation completely stops. The silent treatment begins. For 400 years, God was silent. He didn't say a word. And so what's important for us is that when we read this narrative here is that we don't just skip through it like, okay, let's get to the next point. No, let's pause for a moment and think about what is really happening here. Because God, up until this point now, mind you, he's spoken through prophets. He's spoken through a couple of angels. But what he's about to do is he, he's about to start speaking through a man on his behalf once again. And that man is this man by the name of John the Baptist or John the, ba or John the Baptizer. As we learned last week, when God speaks, things happen. Amen? Amen? 
A lot of people out there talking about God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. It's important for us to realize that when God speaks, things do happen. There is great significance when the Lord speaks, and especially after he has been silent for so long. God begins to speak again for one purpose, and that is to point to Jesus. Are you hearing me? God begins to speak for one purpose, and it's to point to Jesus, to point to this ministry. Why? Because the Old Testament was all pointing to Jesus. We're going to look at some scriptures really quickly that you have in your outline because I want you to get this right here. New Testament prophecy, and what I mean by that is that whenever someone is talking about they are a prophet in these days and ages. Now listen, I believe in all of the you know apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I believe in all of those gifts. I believe that those remain here until whenever we are perfected. And that will not be until Jesus either returns or we go to him. Why? Because God edifies his church through those leadership gifts. That's what God established. I didn't establish that. But what I can tell you, and I will reiterate this over and over again, there are plenty of people who go by titles and that really is just a title. There's a lot more titled prophets than there are actual prophets walking this earth today. There's a lot more titled apostles than there are actual apostles walking this earth today. There are a lot more titled pastors than there are actual pastors in this earth today. There are a lot more titled teachers than there are actual teachers in this earth today. And I'm just saying, a lot of people don't like the title evangelist, so I can't say that for the evangelist. I'm just saying. I'm seriously, right? You know, like everybody wants to be a teacher. Everybody wants to be a prophet. Everybody wants to be an apostle. Everybody wants to be, you know, a pastor. But nobody really wants to be an evangelist. It's funny, right? Hard job. As we'll see as we look here. But the reality is that God speaks. And whenever we're talking about we're New Testament prophets and we're prophesying on behalf of the Lord, it's important for us to recognize what the heart or the spirit of prophecy should always be. If you turn your Bible, we're going to come back to the book of John, but I want you to turn to three, these three scriptures here. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 19 really quickly. And for some of you, this is a memory verse of yours and you know this. Or, and for others of you, I hope that you'll mark this and that way you'll measure prophecy by this because the Bible says this. It tells us, God tells us through the apostles, Apostle Paul, that we should not despise prophecy, but we should test all things. In other words, we shouldn't despise it. We shouldn't be like, oh no, prophecy's not for today, or we're rejecting prophecy. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't despise it. It says to test it, though. And so how do you biblically test prophecy? Well, we look at the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and verse 10, and the scripture says this, And this is after this revelation that the apostle John is receiving from the angel of the Lord that is there with him. And it says, and I fell at his feet to worship him. He falls at this angel's feet to worship him. But he said to me, this is the angel speaking, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Now listen to this. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of God. Of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what we have to realize is that the spirit, the heart, the breath, the purpose of prophecy is what? It is to glorify Jesus, right? It is to testify of who Jesus is. It is to glorify God. It is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that your outline says there. But the one thing that we have to realize is that all prophecy that is going to come forth out of man's lips should do what? It should exalt Jesus. Hello. It should be about testifying to Jesus. It should be about bringing glory and honor to God. It's not about speaking to the idols in our hearts. Hello. It's not about giving us every little thing that we want. It's not about answering every little question that we have. Can I tell you something? God leaves plenty of us in the dark for a long time. Hello. I'm just saying. 
Some of his sons and his daughters, he, he doesn't tell them every single thing. Listen, if he told us every single thing, we wouldn't keep walking forward. Think about your life for a moment. I just think about your life as you've been a Christian. Think about some of the hardships you've gone through. If God told you prior to you going through all of that, you were going to go through all that, how many would have said, yeah, I'm going to keep going? Come on now. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Most of us would be like, nah, man, I'm going to go a different route. I'm, I'm not going that direction. And so what happens for us is it is the spirit of prophecy is what? It is the testimony of Jesus. It is to communicate Jesus. Well, let me, let me give you two or three witnesses so we can make sure that we're correct, right? Look back because we're going to look at the, other, the original prophecies, which are what? Which are scripture, right? The scriptures, the word of God is where we go to. So look back at the book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. Luke chapter, four, uh, chapter 24 and verse 27. And it says this. I love that sound. That's almost as awesome as hearing you guys sing together. Glory, glory to God. All right. And verse 27 says this. It says, and, the be and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He expounded from Moses and all of the scriptures all what? It was all about what? It was all about Jesus. It's all about appointing to Christ. Let me give you one last scripture here. Turn, to, turn back to the book of John, and we'll go to chapter 5 here, and I'll talk a little bit more about this one later on as we go through the book. But just for this morning's sake, look at this here. He says very clearly, he says this. He says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which what? Testify of me. And so all scripture, all prophecy should be doing what? It should be pointing us to Jesus. You look at a guy by the name of Agabus when he prophesies in the New Testament and he talks about what? He talks about this famine to come. What did that ultimately do? Well, when you look at 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians where Paul is talking about the offering that was being given, what did he say? He says to them that these offerings did what? They brought glory to God. Because when God spoke about this famine, it turned the hearts of the people to do what? To do something to glorify God, to do something to glorify Jesus. And so ultimately, when we look at the heart of all prophecy, the heart of all of our witness, and that's the reason why we're talking about the witnessing, is because we need to be faithful with what is most important, and that is doing what? Sharing Jesus as often as possible. Look around here. Look around real quick. Just look around. Now, you'll notice there's a lot of people in the room. Praise God. Can we give God a hand for that? That's an awesome thing. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice that there's still some empty seats in here. Amen? Amen. And listen, we don't want to just save those seats for the kids. Glory to God. Right? So that way they have somewhere to sit. They can sit on our lap. They can stand next to us, whatever. What we want to do is, to me, when I look at empty seats, you know what I see? I see an opportunity for us to bring someone else to Jesus. Those empty chairs that I see are opportunities for us to say, hey, man, we can still bring people to Christ. We can still minister to people. And you know what? Guess what? This is, this is beautiful. We can use this building more than once a day. Amen. Amen. And so we continue to reach. So it's not about just, okay, well, you know, we got about 10 chairs left or 20 chairs left, whatever. And then once we get 20 more people, then we're good. No, it's not about that. It is about us reaching with the gospel as many people as possible to share this life-changing truth with them. That's what we want to do, church. That's what this whole witness is about when we look at this guy by the name of John who was there to testify of who Jesus was in this light. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must, we must understand, understand the significance of being a witness. 
And so we'll start in verse 6 again. Let's go back there. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that I don't normally do because I tell you that we need to contextualize, right? We need to keep everything in context. But I'm going to ask you to make this your personal verse. This verse right here, this is going to be a personal verse. And what, and what, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're a woman, you're going to say this. There was a woman sent. You're have to, I'm sorry, you have to repeat it after me. You're going to say it like this in your mind, right? Just do it like this. You're going to say, there is a woman sent from God, sent from God, and I'm going to use my wife, whose name was Elaine. Now hear me. I'm not trying to tell you you're John the Baptist. Hear what I am saying right now, all right? I'm, I'm going to take this verse and I'm going to say, there was a man sent from God whose name was Jason. And why am I taking this? Because if I could say that the big idea in this text, in this portion of Scripture, is if you could grasp in your heart, if you could grasp in your mind that you are a man or a woman that is sent from God, if you can understand the implications of that, if you could really grasp the reality that every morning when you wake up, that there was a man that woke up today and he is sent from God and his name is whatever your name is. If you could recognize every morning when you wake up that, you know what, this morning a woman woke up and her name is and she was sent from, if you could get, do you understand the power of that? You, you, you understand John the Baptist, this guy was crazy, glory to God. He was crazy in a good way. I mean, anyone is crazy who's living in the desert, he's eating locusts and honey, hello. This is this guy's diet. He is, I mean, he's out there. He's got this leather. It's not like, like really nice stuff. I mean, he's got this leather thing on. I mean, he is crazy. People are coming out there to see him, and they're hearing him preach. But why is this happening? It is because he was a man who was sent from God. I want you to get this, and I want to repeat this when I say this. When I say that I want this to be your personal memory verse, I am not saying that we take the position of John the Baptist in the prophetic scheme of things. But what I want you to hear is that we do take the same position as John the Baptist and the proclamation of who the light is. Jesus is still returning. Jesus is still wanting to change lives and Jesus still is calling his people to be his witnesses. You know what the problem here is? The problem is that we, you and I, we don't, we don't believe what I just said. We don't believe that I am a man who was sent from God. We don't believe that. We think they're sent from God. See, we look at those spiritual folks, those people that seem to have all the right words, those people that seem to have all the right phraseology, those people who have the, maybe the right pedigree or the right education, those people who've been raised up in church, whatever. We start to see those people, you know, we see those people who sing, like Sister Marisol, when she sings that solo, your hairs stand up, glory to God. And you're like, yes, Marisol, that is a woman sent from God. Hold on a second. You may not be able to sing. That doesn't mean that you're not sent from God. You may not be called to preach like this up here. That does not mean that you are not sent from God. Listen, you may be a person who is, who is very nervous, very intimidated. That does not change the reality that you are a man, you are a woman that was sent from God. See, John the Baptist, he understood this calling in his life. He understood that he was called by God to do something, and he had a specific task. The only difference was that he was raised with Jesus as Jesus' cousin. He was six months older than, older than Jesus, and so he's over here, and, you know, he's, like, looking at Jesus, and, he, and he's seeing him grow up, and he's realizing as time is progressing, that's the guy that I'm supposed to witness for. That's the only difference between, between him and us. But the truth of the matter is we need to get this down in our hearts. He goes on to say this, this man came for a witness. Say for a witness. 
for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. See, the ministry of John was one of a witness. He was called to bring us the, or it brings us the idea of a courtroom. Notice how it says so he, was, he was called to be a witness and then to bear witness. And it's the, the point is, it brings us back to this Old Testament idea. In the Old Testament, there was, there was something that had to be, it was a legal, a legal scenario. Whenever someone brought testimony about someone else, there had to be two or three witnesses in order for every word to be established. And so when John is coming on here and the, and the writer repeats this, what he's bringing us is that mindset. Not, you know, not just saying at one time, but this guy was a witness because we already know that the angels witness. We already know that God is going to witness. We know all of these different witnesses, and we'll look at more witnesses throughout our reading of the scriptures here. But for time's sake today, John is this witness, brings us back to this mindset that is, that, that is rooted in the Old Testament. Remember, he was the first witness of many who would come forth after what? After 400 years of silence. And what was his message? His message is the same message that we have today, to testify to the light to testify to the light, to communicate who this light is, to communicate what this light is, to communicate that we are talking about a Savior and one who is there to redeem us. The ministry of John was to point to Jesus, the light, as the long-awaited Messiah, as he testified of Jesus, many would believe. Can I tell you something, church? When we go out there and we continue to testify of who Jesus is, can I promise you something? Not because it's me. Many will believe. You know what the problem is with us? Is that we get stuck on the many who don't believe. We get so hurt, so frustrated, so intimidated, so discouraged because of the few that don't believe, because of the few that reject, because of the few that you think don't want to hear it. But do you know how many people, I never forget when I was in, I I was going to, um, I was going to high school to get my, or not to high school, but I was going to get my GED. And back then, um, it was was funny, the other day we were at my house on my Tuesday night connect, and we were talking about this um, old activity that we did at the church that I came from. It's called the Battle Zone. And it was a hip-hop night. And so, you know, we put this video on, and we're, you know, up there. And I'm so funny, man. I'm, like, wearing khaki pants and a light blue shirt, and I'm rapping. Like, I don't know. I'm, like, a preppy rapper. But anyway, um, so... And anyhow, the point is, I remember being in school, and I remember walking down and, and, and talking with some of my friends, and I, re- I recall one day that we were sitting there, and you know, some, somehow we started rapping, and as soon as we started doing that, people started listening. They started listening to the content, and you know, people were really paying attention to the words that were being communicated because these were, we weren't rapping you know, songs from, um, words from songs that they had heard, but they were listening to those songs. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times we think people aren't trying to listen. It's because we're not speaking. It's because we're not speaking. Understand this. The media is always speaking. The enemy is always communicating his agenda. He is always proclaiming a false gospel. He is always trying to distract people's minds. What we have to do, church, is we need to be proclaimers at the same volume, at the same level, with the same faith, with the same belief, with the same intensity. We need to be those people that aren't ashamed of this gospel. See, the reality is there's so many people, and I've said this before, and I want to keep this in the forefront of your mind. There are so many people you would think 100% that these people have all heard the gospel. Not true. You would think they all know who Jesus is, or at least some idea of him. Not true. Go and have some conversation with some people. Just make it a point to start having conversations with people, different people, and see how many of them actually know this gospel. You might be surprised how many people have never been into a church. 
Because you think, well, that's a norm. You know, back in the days, it was, it was a social norm for people to go to church. Even people who weren't Christian, because if you didn't go to church, you were messed up. It was about being popular. It was about being, you know, hey, that was the right thing to do on a social level. Listen, today, Christianity is not socially popular or necessary. Are you hearing me? And so what we have to do is understand that we have the same ministry that John the Baptist has. So John the Baptist, he says this, he, he points out, or the, the scripture points out here, that he was not the light, but he was to testify to the light. John the Baptist was the agent of belief. Jesus was the object of belief. Let me say it like this. As a witness, it is important that we don't draw attention to ourselves intentionally or unintentionally, but that we are clearly pointing to the one who we are witnessing about. Let me say that again. As a witness, it is important that we don't draw attention to ourselves intentionally or unintentionally, but that we are clearly pointing to the one who we are witnessing about. Now, what does that mean? I just gave you an example of me rapping, so obviously attention was drawn to me. But here's my point. My point is I didn't keep the attention on me. Are you hearing me? The attention wasn't about me. The attention wasn't about the things that I had. The, the, the attention wasn't about Jason. It was about Jesus. And as witnesses, sometimes, you know, we, we, get, we want people to see us, but we don't care about them seeing Jesus. We want people to recognize how good we are, how hard workers we are. We want people to recognize how good parents we are. We want people to recognize all of these good things, and none of those things are bad. But we want people to do that, and we let it end there. That's what I mean about unintentionally. See, there's some people, they just want all the attention. It's intentional. Hello. But there are other people who they unintentionally draw all the attention to themselves, and they never point to the one that they're glorifying. They never point to the one that they're honoring. And so what I'm saying is we need to flip that around and we need to be those people who are just like John the Baptist who are intentional with our communication of the gospel, who are intentional with the lives that we live, who are intentionally looking for opportunities for us to do what? To point clearly to the one who we represent, which is Jesus. We don't represent ourselves, amen? We represent a Savior. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, as witnesses... We must be truthful regardless of results. As witnesses, we must be truthful regardless of results. And so the, the scripture goes on, and it says here, it, sa it says in verse 8, it says, He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to the light. And he goes on to say that that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 shows, it says, he was, he, it's, it says what? It says he was in the world. So what does that speak of here? You can just write this down in your notes. That speaks of the incarnation. In one verse, we have three important things. First of all, he was in the world, so that means his incarnation. When Jesus became man, when God became man, speaks of the incarnation. And then it says, and the world was made through him. What does that speak of? That speaks of creation. Again, reiterating that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. God and the word was God and nothing was made that was made without him. And so it's reiterating that creation. And then the third thing is this, and the world did not know him. And so we have what? Rejection. And so the first thing we have is this incarnation. God becomes man. The second thing that we have there is that God creates all things. And, as, and although he's the creator, when he comes to his, they do not know him. They reject him as though he wasn't their creator. Verse 11 says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. 
As witnesses, we must be truthful regardless of the results. Jesus gives light to all men. Say all men. See, Jesus doesn't give light to some men. He gives light to all men according to the scriptures that we read, making all men accountable before God for their acceptance or, reject, or rejection of the truth of the gospel. How does he make, in our, in, in our, in our phase one um, class last Wednesday, I asked a question. How is it that you know, if, you, if, someone, if someone was to ask you the question, how do you know if God exists, what would your answer be? Think about that for a moment. And so we had a bunch of good answers that came in the class. And I said, all of those answers are good. I said, but there has to be one answer that fits every scenario. Because not every person has the same testimony as the other person. So that scenario doesn't fit every situation. But when you go to the book of Romans chapter 1, the Bible talks about God revealing himself. His invisible attributes are made known through what? Through creation. Through creation. Chapter 2, it talks about God, literally his laws are written on the hearts of men. Their conscience. And so there are two things that God does to make men accountable to him. Number one is he reveals himself in creation. Number two, he reveals himself in man's conscience. That is the light that every man on planet earth has access to. And so what happens is every one of us has to look at creation and we have to give an account for what we believe. Did we even seek out the creator? And then the other one is this conscience. And you know what the beauty of it is? Is that the Holy Spirit comes in. He convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And he draws us to the truth of the gospel. And what we do is we either say, I don't want that, I don't need that, or we accept it. But all men have been given light. See, here's the thing. Due to the sinfulness of man's hearts, we are blinded to the truth of our need for a Savior until the light of the gospel penetrates the darkness of our hearts. I shared with you last week how God began to turn the light switches on. I told you, and I repeat this again. Listen, unless God turns the lights on completely, we're dead in our sins and we can do nothing for ourselves. Are you here? And so it's important for us to realize what God wants to do. God wants to draw men unto himself, but God wants what? He needs people to recognize that you are a man. You are a woman who was sent from God. You are sent from God on a mission to do what? To communicate the truth. And listen, just in case you're thinking, man, I don't know if I agree with that scripture. If you just go to the book of Matthew chapter 28, right? You know that, that chapter toward the end there, like verse 19 or something like that. What does Jesus say? He says, go ye therefore. You know what that's saying? He sent you. And if you are born again, you are born of God. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And so what happens is all of us are sent as his witnesses. All of us are commanded to go and communicate this gospel unto all of those, unto all of those who need to hear this truth. Just as John the Baptist witnessed of who Jesus was and man's need for him, and, and, and even Jesus testified of himself and was rejected, so we, you and I, must be faithful to be witnesses of the light regardless of being rejected. See, here's the thing for us. Many times we just don't want to hear rejection. When I, when, I, when I was younger and single, some of you can relate to what I'm about to say. You know, matter of fact, I, I'm going to testify about myself and my wife. I was 100% certain when I met her, I had no chance. The devil is a liar. Hello? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Glory to God. I was 100% sure that she was out of my league. I was 100% sure that I had no hope on earth, but I had a hope in heaven. Amen. 
That was my only hope, glory to God. My point is, when you're, when you're, when you're younger, right, you know, you, you, you can listen. You can think you all that and some and whatever, but here's the thing. When you see that someone, there's a little intimidation. You want to know what's the only thing that holds you back from going to say what's up to that person? You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid they're going to turn you down. You're afraid you're going to look foolish. Can I tell you something? It's the same thing when it comes to sharing the gospel. If you knew, check this out. If you knew every single person you went up to was going to say yes to you, you would never not do it. If you knew every time you went to someone and said, hey, man, I want to tell you about Jesus, they were going to be like, yes, tell me. I want to know. And then when they finished hearing and he said, would you like to commit your life to Christ? They're going to say, yes, I want to. All y'all be out there on mission every day preaching to everybody you see. There would be no question. The reason why we do not communicate the truth of the gospel is because of fear of rejection. Can I tell you something? Get liberated. It's going to happen. Are you hearing me? People are going to reject you. That is the bottom line. But can I tell you something? You have the best news to share with them. You have the most liberating message to share with them. Don't let their rejection or potential rejection, because here's the thing. You see, just like me, I thought I had no chance in the world with this woman. And because of that, I wasn't going to step forward. But thank God for his grace and mercy. Hello. Thank God that the Bible says that God directs the steps of his children, and I was being led and didn't even realize it. And now today, 17 years later, amen, somebody, we're married, happily, glory to God. Not because I was so amazing. I mean, I'm kind of amazing, but, but it was a little bit more than that, a lot more than that. It was the grace of God. It was the, it was the glory of who God was. And so what I'm saying is, is look, we're going to be rejected, church. It's going to happen, but don't let that hinder you from believing the message that you have, which will bring us to our next point. Say this with me. Say, as witnesses, we must be assured of the hope we have in the truth. As witnesses, we must be assured of the hope we have in the truth. You see, sometimes, whether you realize this or not, because people reject the gospel. Because people reject you when you're communicating this truth, what ends up happening to us many times is that we start to feel like, man, maybe this message isn't so hopeful. You know, do you know why I, rem I remind you every week of this glorious gospel? So you realize the truth and you don't forget it. You know why I challenge you to meditate on the gospel? And so you don't forget the hope that is in this gospel. See, because what happens is when people reject or ridicule or make fun of the gospel you preach, the lifestyle you're trying to live, what that can do to us is that can deflate our faith. Listen, don't feel condemned because there's some of us that, man, we've been rejected so many times, our faith is depleted. Our faith, it, it dwindles when it comes to sharing the gospel. We're intimidated overwhelmingly to share the gospel. We won't, we'll say God, we'll say this and that, but we won't get down to the nuts and bolts of the fact that all men are sinful. And because of their sin, they are separated from God. And because of their sin, because they rebel, because they break God's laws, God has to judge them. And the judgment that is for all men that are under the condemnation of sin is that they will spend all of eternity separated from God in a hell. See, none of those things are popular. Nobody wants to hear that they're sinful because everybody believes they're a good person. This is not true. Nobody wants to hear about hell because they're hoping that they're going to stay in some abyss 
abyss or they're just going to disappear and go poof. They don't want to think about the reality of eternity. But getting down to that and letting people know this is where you are if you are not a follower of Jesus, but then helping them to understand the magnitude of what Jesus did. Although God is holy, he is righteous, he is just, you are sinful, you are wretched, and you are separated from him on your way to hell. God came in the form of a man and he died in your place. He died to offer you liberty from what? From eternity in hell. He died to offer you a new life. That way you can walk with him. He died to give you a new name so you would no longer be known by that old name. He died to give you a new heart, to give you a new hope, to give you a new faith. That's what he did. You see, and all we have to do is respond in faith and repentance. Say, you know what? I believe in your name. I believe in your name. I believe. And when it says to believe in his name, we're going to talk about that in a moment here. But it says that all of those who believed in his name, he gave the right or he gave the authority to become children of God. And so to believe in his name is to believe that everything that God says in his word about his son is true. When you look at a name, a name signifies someone's identity and it signifies someone's authority. When you look at your Bible. Whenever someone's, whatever their name was, they had that authority. They had that identity. And when we look at the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus says what? Says that there is hope of salvation in him because he is the Messiah. There is hope because what? Because he is God the Son. We established that last week. He is not just the Son of God. He is the S, capital S, Son of God. He is God the Son. He is God come to the form of man who became flesh and died. See, that's what that means. But see, we'll talk about God. We'll talk about God blessing us. But we don't want to talk about the gospel. But understand this, church. Blessings don't save people. The gospel does. Church is not supposed to be about learning 10 steps to a better A, B, C, D, whatever you want to say. Church is not about behavior modification. It's about life transformation. And life transformation doesn't happen because you learn more principles. Can I tell you something? You don't need to come to church to learn principles to live a good life. Did you hear what I said? You, you, you go buy the, the, the best self-help books out there, and you know what? Sadly, you'll hear half of the preachers in America. That's what they're preaching. I'm just saying. Because everybody wants help. Can I tell you something? Everybody wants help, but they don't want the help they need. See, because it's not about me just getting better and acting better. It's about my heart being changed. And the only thing that changes the hearts of men is what? The gospel. It is, what, what did Paul say? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is what? The power of God unto salvation. Amen. You see, the change that I need is to go from being separated from God on my way to hell to being re realigned and being re reconciled to God on my way to heaven with him. That's the change that happens. See, but that doesn't happen unless the Holy Spirit does something inside of someone's heart. But here's what I'm telling you, church, is that we cannot grow weary and grow tired of preaching this message that many people say is outdated because it is not. Amen. That many people say is unnecessary because it is not. It is the most needed message ever. It is the most timely message ever. It is the simple but profound truth of the gospel. That is what changes lives. That is what changes hearts. And so the truth is for us, we're called to be these witnesses. We are these men. We are these women that have been born again. Not by flesh and blood, not by the will of man, but by what? 
by the will of God. Here's what we need to understand is that the scriptures show us, and we read the scripture here, verse 12. See, the bad news of this is that many people are going to reject him. They're not going to receive him. But he says in verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the authority, the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of flesh, nor of the will of, or not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, there's many people that they think they're saved because they were born into the right family. Hey, man, I was raised in a Christian home, so I'm good. I was, I was dedicated, you know, on an altar, or I was christened when I was a baby, so I'm good. I'm legit. Did my first communion? Good to go. Did my confirmation? I'm okay. Listen, this is not a, bu- a bust on Catholicism because those same things apply to some Protestants. I was raised in church. I was baptized when I was eight years old. I know those memory verses. That doesn't make you saved. None of that stuff makes you saved. Have you come to an encounter with the light? Have you come to the reality that there is one Savior? That there is one hope, and that is Jesus. Have you put your faith and your hope? See, those are the questions that have to be answered. See, the beauty of this is that it is by the will of God, he says it here, who are born of God. And can I, can, can I tell you something? The scriptures communicate to us. I believe it's 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's just go there because I'll, sh- I'll show you the verse and we're closing anyway. But 1 Timothy chapter 2. I hope it's there. Praise the Lord Jesus. First Timothy chapter 2, let's start. We'll, we'll, we'll start reading in verse 1. First Timothy chapter 2. It says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, I want you to hold on to that scripture. Put those two scriptures together. Number one, there was a man, there was a woman who was sent of God. That person is you. Number two, God desires that all men be saved. The reason why God woke you up The reason why God sends you out every day is because he desires that all men be saved. He desires that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. But if we don't have witnesses who are testifying to the light, then guess what happens? People continue in darkness. People continue in their deception. People continue to live the lives that they're living separated from God on their way to hell or thinking that they're okay with God because of some religious stuff they do, because of some good things that they do. But the reality is that until the light has turned on, until they've turned to this amazing Savior, they're lost. We're called to be those witnesses, church. So my question is this as I close. What have you done with or what are you doing with the light? Real simple. What have you done with or what are you doing with the light? Number one, I ask you, what have you done with the light? 
Because if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, the question is, what, are you, what have you done with the light? What are you going to do with the light? The light has been proclaimed. There is hope in Jesus. There is salvation in Jesus. The question is, have you repented of your sin? Have you put your faith in him? If you have not, today is an opportunity for you to do that. And for those of you that are in here that you know Jesus, for those of you that are in here and you've made this commitment to Jesus, let me ask you this question. Are you sharing him as a witness who is going out there proclaiming the truth of this gospel? Are you out there as the person you're supposed to be? And listen, I don't mean that you got to be out there on a bullhorn. Let, let, let your definition of whatever it is be whatever it's going to be. But here is the truth. Are you being a witness? I didn't ask you if you're being a good person. I didn't ask you if you're doing good things. I asked you, are you intentionally testifying to the light of who Jesus is? Don't minimize this gospel to just good works because that's not where it ends. It's not just about doing good things, church. It's not about just being a good person. It's about being a person who communicates the truth of the gospel to people. And so what have you done with the light? What are you doing with the light? Stand to your feet and let's pray. I'm going to ask the music ministry to come forward. And I'm going to pray a general prayer. And as I did last week, I'll do it again this week. I'll open up this, this altar area. And if you need prayer today, and, you know, there's some of you in here, you know that God was calling you to be a witness. You know that God is calling you to be a light. And so if, you, if you're just not bold to share this gospel, if you need prayer for boldness, that's a biblical prayer. And so we're here as leaders in this church. We want to pray with you. That you'll be bold, that you'll be out there, that you won't be a coward anymore when it comes to sharing your faith, when it comes to sharing the truth of Jesus. So if that's you in this place, I encourage you as we sing this song and as we worship, this song that we're going to sing is called Where, Where You Go, I'll Go. And, and, and what this song is, the reason why we're singing this is because I want us to be those people that say, you know what, God, where you send, I'm going to go. Where you go, I will go. Where you pray, I will pray. I want to say the things that you will communicate. And so if you need someone to pray with you, if you want someone to pray with you, and you will be that witness that you know God is calling you to do, then I encourage you to come forward if you need that prayer. I encourage you as well, if you're a person in here and you don't know Jesus and you want someone to pray with you, we're here to pray with you also. But what I'm saying is don't let these words that have been communicated from this pulpit just go in one ear and go out the other. Let them do something deeply inside of your hearts today. And so I'll pray a general prayer, and then, we'll, and, and then the altar will be open as we sing. Father, we humble ourselves before you today. And God, we recognize you as the great I am. We recognize you as the king who reigns and rules forever and ever, God. And Father, we just come to you as your sons and, and your daughters, Lord God. And some of us in here, Lord Jesus, aren't your sons. We're not your children, Lord God. And I, I just come to you, Lord God, praying for each and every soul that is in here. My God, you see the ones that desperately need you, God. The ones that are, have been blinded to their, their separation from you, God. I just pray today that you would draw them unto you, God. I pray today that you would draw their hearts, that you would give them repentance, my God. That you would grant them faith, my Lord. And I pray for us, Lord God, that know you, Heavenly Father, that may be a little cowardly, Heavenly Father, that may be, Heavenly Father, not moving in the direction that we're called to, that, that we would really recognize that there, was, that, 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 that there was someone who was sent from God and that it is us, Lord. Father, I pray today that our hearts be humbled before you. We surrender this to you, God, and we ask you to be glorified. In Jesus' great name. Amen.
The altar's open if you want to come up for prayer.